Well, good morning and welcome to St. Matthew's online uh, to this service of the Lord's Supper. Uh, tucked away in a little prophecy in the Old Testament, the prophecy of Zephaniah is a gem of a verse that I'd like to read for you as we get started this morning. It says this about our God, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Has it ever struck you that the God who loves us rejoices over us with singing? Let's sing his praise in our first song, Stand Up and Bless the Lord. It's great to see you at St. Matthew's uh, Online Live uh, here from the Corso in Manly. It's great to have you with us. Uh, for those of you who are with us for the first time, my name is Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers here and uh, we're very glad to have you with us today. And uh, really nice to hear from people on the, the chat line. Uh, Virginia Stewart, really glad to hear that you're doing well now uh, while you're staying up on, at your son's place on the Hawkesbury. And uh, very nice to hear from Ellie Chahovsky. Uh, wonderful to have you here at 8 o'clock church today. And uh, a number of people in the chat section have mentioned what a beautiful day it is. And it is a lovely day, isn't it? And praise the Lord for that. Uh, today we're going to be hearing uh, the next part of the story of the growth of the gospel beyond uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, Scott Petty will be bringing us really helpful message uh, about the grace of God. That is so obvious as you recognise the gospel is for people everywhere. So we're looking forward to hearing from Scott a little later. Uh, as well as Martin Sumter popping in, he's doing the Bible reading today. And uh, we will be sharing together uh, right towards the end of the service in the Lord's Supper. So if you haven't got a little bit of bread there at home and uh, a, a cup to drink from, uh, make sure you've got that organised before uh, the end of uh, the service. But it's great to have you all here. Before we go any further, let's, let's come to our God and ask for his help in uh, coming to him today. 
Let's pray this together. Actually, I'll lead it for us. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And will you join me as we recite together the words of the Apostles' Creed, as we declare together what it is we believe about God and all his greatness and in his wonderful love. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Uh, can I say uh, to you again, if you're uh, with us for the first time at St. Matthew's, we're really glad you've been able to join us online. Hope you find this service really uh, uh, enriching for you uh, as you engage with us, with God, in his word and, and by prayer and by song. Uh, great to have you with us. We'd love to know that you've been here. Uh, so you could use the, uh, the Connect card, uh, which will come up on the screen here. And there are also details of how you can connect with us uh, on, on your screen below the image there. Um, we'd love to know that you've been here so that we can uh, welcome you uh, further through the week. And of course, if, there, if there's anything, any other way in which we can be helpful to you, please do be in contact with us either through the Connect card uh, or by all means contact us at the office through the week uh, and the details of being able to do that by phone or by email uh, are on our website. Uh, but great to have you with us. Um, today will be the last of our, um, our, our live streaming services in this setting and uh, I was really glad last week when Jan Dingle was with us that, that she said a big word of thanks to everyone who's been involved in putting these services together when we haven't been able to meet live uh, in the building. Uh, but today we, we especially want to highlight those who've been working behind the scenes uh, on the tech. Uh, today we've got Dave and Matt, but there's been a whole team of people who've gone above and beyond, uh, serving with great competence, uh, cheerfully, calmly, uh, getting us through some difficulties that we've had uh, along the way. So it's been great to have them. We want to name them. And just say how much we thank God for each of these people. For Michael Evans, uh, for Dylan Hughes, for John o. Atkinson, for Matt Priest, for Matt Lamley, for Ash Robert, for Hamish Thorpe and for staff members. There's, there's some staff members who've just been so helpful. Nathan Campbell, Stu Jansen, uh, Dave and Duimana and Max Brewer. We do thank God for you. Uh, Bruce is here. Welcome, mate. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And you? Uh, I'm excited. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. Well, I am excited because today is the last time that we have our online services in entirety. We yep. will be continue to run online service, but as we can see behind, we're going back to in-person services next week. Yes. 
Next Sunday. Okay. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> now, let me get my notes together and um, just take us through that. And uh, there's a number of things to note for next Sunday. Firstly, we would love you to be here. And if you come down, we're going to try and make the place uh, as safe as possible for people to come to. Um, obviously, the government requirements are masks and no singing. And so that's been uh, instructed to us. And we'll be obviously asking people to comply with that. Secondly, we're improving the ventilation. You'll find out about that when you get down there. But we are, have got some fans installed to get fresh air from outside the building in, uh, which will just obviously help uh, in terms of safety aspects. Second, third thing is there is an outdoor option which we'll have available. There'll be a screen outside. We're getting some marquees erected in the courtyard so that people can sit out there uh, if they feel that's a better option for them. But one thing I do want you to note is because of COVID, New South Wales, uh, not health, New South Wales Education Department uh, has instructed schools that there's not to be people from outside coming in, particularly to uh, things like our car parking at the school. So sadly, at this stage, there's no car parking at Manly Village School. You will have to park underneath at Coles. Um, a couple of things to note, obviously, as in previous iterations coming back, people will have to check in. Uh, not your vaccination certificate, but just your QR code. Um, but I do want to say, I understand and I realise there'll be people who, for whatever reason, won't be able to make it back next Sunday. We will still be live streaming. It'll be a different format to what we're currently doing. We'll mm. go back to the old format, which broadcasts and has the... Uh, photo, uh, the, the video from us up on stage uh, with live singing and so that's obviously going to be a slight difference but it still will be engaging and you still will be able to log in uh, as per normal on a Sunday. So that's the first thing, church back next Sunday. Uh, the other thing to make note of if, is, um, and if I can have the next uh, slide up there, thanks Matt. Um, term four, we've historically always raised money for mission partners and last year we didn't do that with the height of COVID and we ended up taking our mission partner support out of reserves. This year we're returning to normal practice and while we haven't got a commitment series as such, uh, we are wanting to raise money for our mission partners. And we've got $120,000 to raise this year in terms of people giving towards them. They're wonderful people. Um, now, we do raise money for our tax-deductible partners mid-year uh, in June and so people like the Anchor RE team, um, also uh, the work of uh, Salvation Army, great partners. That's not what we're raising for at this time. These are our non-tax deductible. We've got people like Heal Africa with their medical mission in the Congo, Marsden Plant Park Church Plant with Mark and Rachel Collins, uh, Indigenous Mission with both Jack and um, Kathy Naden and Jack, sorry, <laughs> Neville and Kathy Naden, Jack and Lil Haradine. I've got too many names in my head. And Jack's actually going to... Sorry, Neville's going to be here next Sunday. Uh, you'll get to see him. Uh, David Fashon working with Sim. Andrew Michelle Bloomer over in Austria doing evangelism. And David and Leone Painter working in Cambodia. And so there's all sorts of people to raise money for. We're going to hear more about them in the coming weeks. But if I can just encourage you to be giving and we're asking people to the most helpful way is online you'll see that in my weekly email instructions about how to do that or if you can go to the church website to the place give but that's it from me okay and uh what have we got next uh we're gonna bring some of those things before the lord in prayer okay so thanks bruce well let's pray yeah heavenly father uh we thank you that we can come to you the most holy god with confidence by the cleansing blood of Jesus and with the help of your spirit who lives in us. Uh, Lord, as in our own nation, lockdowns ease in our own country, uh, 
We pray for neighbouring nations like Indonesia and Fiji and Papua New Guinea, where the virus is running rampant and where healthcare and resources are sparse. Uh, we pray that old and young would be protected from infection and may the people of these nations benefit from the generosity of wealthy nations like our own. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of partnering with people who are taking the message of your grace beyond Manly and around the world. And so we pray today for David Fushon, uh, for Dave and Leonie Painter, for Andrew and Michelle Bloomer, uh, for the works, uh, work of the, the Philippines Missionary Fellowship and of Heal Africa in Congo, uh, for Jack and Lil Haradine, for Neville and Kathy Naden, and for all who serve as mission partners with us here at, at, at St. Matthew's. We pray, Father, that you will use each of them to bring the life-transforming message of Jesus to many. And we pray that during this season, we'd be able to raise the kind of support for them which means they are generously provided for in the year to come. And within our own church family, Lord, we raise up before you um, young people within our, our family who are uh, facing exams as they come to the end of year 12 in their high school studies. And so this week, we pray particularly that you'll sustain them through this year of change uh, we thank you for the hard work of teachers and administrators who've been supporting them and making it possible for exams to be sat and for uh, them to engage in study. And we particularly want to pray for, for them by name. We pray for Sam and Joel, for Jet and Josh, for Megan Emma, and Emma, for Rihanna, for Poppy, for Sophia, for Sophie, for Liv and for Jai. We pray that during this last week before exams and that you give them focus and calm minds to study well and peace and perspective to know they are children of the living God and that you work in them for good and that you'll be with them through this time of challenge. Finally, Father, we thank you for the rich truths of the gospel of life and of grace that shape our understanding of who we are and of, of where we live. And we thank you that we are dearly loved and that you sustain us in all circumstances. Deepen our trust in your power, wisdom, steadfast love and faithfulness so that we might love and serve you without fear and with great joy. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing together. Leaves on the tree.
with us this morning who in a moment will be doing the Bible reading. Welcome Martin. Thank you. It's nice to see you here. Uh, brother, uh, during the week you've got a part-time job. You work at Moore Theological College. Yes. Uh, it's there in Newtown. It's sending students all over the place and we're in the middle of a series on the way in which God is working to take the gospel beyond. Mm -hmm. In what ways through Moore College are you seeing just a couple of things uh, in the way in which the, the, the gospel is going beyond. Thank you, Andrew. Um, as part of a small team at college, I work for what's called the Centre for Global Mission. And the Centre's aim is to take the knowledge of God out to certain parts of the world, we might call the developing world, other parts where uh, they can't afford materials or anything. We take the preliminary theological certificate out to them. We provide the notes, the materials, we can provide an online platform and the people there do the teaching and the encouraging and um, yes, what's equally exciting and I think perhaps even more is we have a whole number of our units translated into different languages. So for Africa we have a number of our units in Swahili um, we, teach, we provide those materials in Nigeria and Tanzania they're in French as well, which really helps our Christian brothers and sisters in Mauritius. We're just setting up something in North India, and Gladwin, who's one of our graduates, will be translating some of the units into Hindi. Mm. And perhaps, can I share lastly an example that encompasses our work here at St. Matthew's and that of Moore Theological College, the Nom Pen Bible School. It uses our materials and they've been translated over time by Dave Painter. And Dave and Leone teach in Khmer the preliminary theological certificate to the local peoples. And they shared in their last prayer letter what I thought was really encouraging. One of the girls who's trained there and taught said it was an absolute delight to be trained in her language, Khmer and by people who literally had become, in her eyes, mm. Khmer with her. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Martin. It's great to have people like you at St. Matt's who are involved with Christian organisations who are doing this sort of thing, and lovely to have that sort of story which shows one of our mission partners that we've supported for many years mm. being used by God mm. to take the gospel into a place many of us have not even travelled to. Mm. Yeah. Would you read the Bible for us? Sure. Thank Delighted you. Delighted to. We're continuing through our journey through Acts, and this morning we've come to Acts chapter 15, and I'll be reading from verse 1. So, what's happened? Well, Paul and Barnabas have been in Antioch with the other Christians for some time, possibly about a year. And then this happens. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and we're teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So 
Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Well, thank you, Martin, and uh, good morning to everyone. I hope you're doing well on this beautiful day on the northern beaches. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the ministers here. It'd be a great help to me if you could keep Acts chapter 15 open. Or if you've closed it, open it up again. Well, I think we live in a graceless society. A graceless society. And I don't mean that in an absolute sense. Um, that there's no common courtesy. There's no acts of compassion. You hear no words of kindness. I, I don't even mean graceless in the sense of kind of cancel culture, if you heard of that. It's kind of where if you vote for the wrong president, you don't take the vaccine, you stand for the wrong cause, or you don't kneel for the right cause, you get cancelled, right? People will not even extend to you the basic courtesy of listening to you. You're just cancelled. Game over. Crawl back into the hole that you came out of. I don't mean graceless in that sense. I mean graceless in the sense that we don't operate on the basis of grace. 
That is, we cannot really cope with the idea of being given something without earning it outright, or at the very least, making some contribution towards it. I mean, think of a, a thing as uh, basic as being invited out for dinner. You might say, we should really have so-and-so over for dinner. Why? Well, because they had us over for dinner, remember? <laughs> you go, yeah, I remember, but that's such a weird motivation. <laughs> For me, I don't like being indebted to others, uh, if I can help it. If you don't let me pay for the coffees, I'll at least try to pay for my half. So even in basic interactions, we don't like being indebted to others. We can't really cope with the idea of grace. Now, grace is when someone does something good for you, and you don't deserve it, and you can't contribute towards it. In the Christian setting, grace comes in many forms, in life, in health, in knowledge of God, all those things that we don't really make a contribution towards. But it specifically means the free act of God to forgive us and bless us through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, though we are undeserving sinners. Let me say that again. Write it down if you need to. Uh, Specifically, grace means the free act of God to forgive us and bless us through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus though we are undeserving sinners. And when Christians talk about grace, that's usually what we mean. And we would say that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are saved by grace alone. But I'm just suggesting that even Christians struggle to live with grace. At times we would prefer that Christian faith was graceless. We wish that we could contribute something towards our salvation, that we could bring something to the table. Or at least pay for half, you know? So it may not surprise you to discover that the earliest Christians also struggled with grace. Some wanted to bring something of themselves to the deal to make a contribution. Now today from Acts chapter 15, we're going to see why this is such a big deal and how it was all resolved. We are by this stage at the midway point in our Beyond series, which plots the spread of the gospel beyond Jerusalem in Acts chapters 10 to 19, as we consider proclaiming the good news of Jesus in Manly and beyond, as we've just heard about from Martin. And though the gospel has gone out from Jerusalem, first through the apostle Peter, through Cornelius, then by unnamed disciples to Antioch, and then with the apostle Paul and Barnabas around the northeastern Mediterranean basin, in Acts 15, the action returns to Jerusalem. So what is this gospel of grace? What threatens it? And why is it so important to them and of course to us as well? Well, in today's passage, we see there is a presenting issue, there is available evidence, there is a sensible solution, and finally, an important consideration. So issue, evidence, solution, consideration. Well, what is the presenting issue? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let's trace it very briefly. In chapters 10 and 11, the Apostle Peter had to be convinced through a series of visions and an encounter with Cornelius, a Gentile that's a non-Jewish centurion in the Roman army, that God has granted repentance that leads to life, even to the Gentiles, not only to the Jews. Now, of course, Peter should have been prepared for that from his time with Jesus, but when it happened for the first time, it was nonetheless shocking to him. Then in Acts chapter 11, unnamed disciples told their neighbours about Jesus in the throbbing cosmopolitan hub of Antioch in Syria. And great numbers 
turned to the Lord. That is, great numbers of Greeks or Gentiles, not only Jews. And everybody seemed happy about this. So the Apostle Paul and Barnabas headed off on a missionary journey from Antioch through Cyprus, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra and Derbe before returning to Antioch where we read in Acts chapter 14 verse 27 which is on the same page that you've already got open, these words. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, both the brickbats and the bouquets, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. But just two verses later, where we started with our reading today, Acts chapter 15, verse 1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, it's their church. But some guys from Judea, that's Jerusalem and surrounds, the very heart of the Jewish faith, arrive and start telling the Gentile Christians that belief is not enough. To be saved, they must also follow the Jewish laws, especially the ceremonial rite of circumcision. And so the presenting question really is, how will these Gentiles be welcomed into the community of God's people? Can you become a Christian without also becoming a Jew. Is this gospel of Christ just a reform movement within Judaism, or is it good news for the whole world? What must Gentiles, which includes us, by the way, do to be saved? Must we follow the law of Moses as well as believe the message of Jesus? And so you can see that what looks like a little geopolitical furphy from antiquity actually goes to the very heart of the Christian faith. Are we saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or do we need to make some kind of contribution to our salvation? Well, the big question. That's why in verse 2, Paul and Barnabas come into sharp dispute with these Jewish Christians from Judea. That's why Paul and Barnabas and a few other good folks head up to Jerusalem to head office to see the other apostles and the elders of the Jerusalem church. Now trace it with me on route, verse 3, through Phoenicia to Lebanon and Samaria, northern Israel. They share how the Gentiles have turned to Jesus and everyone is stoked. They get to Jerusalem and they tell the apostles and the elders and everyone how the Gentiles have turned to Jesus and everyone is stoked except there in verse 5, some Christians who also happen to belong to the Pharisees basically repeat what we've already read in verse 1. The Gentiles, in verse 5, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. They're very happy for them to become Christians, just need them to become Jewish as well and to follow the Old Testament law of Moses. Now I want you to to avoid the temptation to think of these Pharisees as cardboard cutout villains. After all, these guys have become Christians, turning and trusting in Jesus, but they deeply prized their Old Testaments and didn't think it should all be junked just because some Gentiles with their questionable religious and moral backgrounds also become Christians, likewise turning and trusting in Jesus. But look closely at verse 5. The must be circumcised there corresponds to the verse 1, you must be circumcised or unless you're circumcised you cannot be saved. This presenting issue about what to do with Gentile believers actually goes to the very heart of salvation, doesn't it? Well, I know uh, that some of you have been to court, um, some as defendants, 
some as witnesses, some as jurors, some as supporters, or even curious onlookers if you've got lots of spare time on your hands. If you haven't been to court, you imagine it, it goes like the courtroom scenes in American legal dramas on TV where everything is slick, the good-looking lawyers never stumble over their words, there's barely a break in proceedings, the back and forth is slick, witty, concise, almost entertaining. When you go to court, you realise that it's much more like the Australian comedy rake than American legal dramas. It can be drawn out, messy, plenty of gaps, stumbles, going round in circles, generally not witty, slick and concise. Now, if you think about it for a moment, that is how you'd expect it to be when dealing with all the available evidence. I mean, if the issue at hand was basic, clear, straightforward, you wouldn't be in court in the first place, would you? Now, in Acts 15, what's known as the Council of Jerusalem, there's not a lot of back and forth. We've just got a summary, but there is considerable available evidence. Firstly, from the Apostle Peter, then from the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, before finishing with James the Just, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the New Testament letter of James, and who is by this stage the leader of the Jerusalem church. Now, the conclusion of all the available evidence is very clear. You'll be happy to know. All people... Jew and Gentile alike are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. But let's see how they do it. How does the Apostle Peter put it? After all, he is pretty much the first guy who experienced Gentile conversion. Well, Peter says two things mainly. Number one, have a look with me in verse 7. God chose that the Gentiles might believe in the message of Jesus. It's actually God's choice that these Gentiles are here and that they believe. But number two, Peter goes on to say, they're just like us, by which I mean they're just like Jewish Christians. So let's tease it out. Verse 8, read with me. God gave them, that's Gentile converts, the Holy Spirit, just like us. Verse 9, he purified their hearts by faith, not discriminating between us and them, which is another way of saying They're just like us. Verse 10, he goes on. Why burden them with the Old Testament law, which we've never been able to bear as Jews? Uh, In other words, he's saying they won't be able to keep it either, just like us. And in verse 11, Peter concludes strongly, like a barrister thumping his fist on the dock. No, they are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just like us. Except if you look closely, Peter puts it the other way around, as if to say, the simplicity of their salvation reminds us of the simplicity of ours. Following the law doesn't contribute to our salvation in Jesus. Moses doesn't complete what Jesus began. It never worked like that for us. It'd be dumb for us to force that upon these Gentiles. The gospel of grace is precisely that, a message of salvation for those who bring nothing other than humble repentance and true belief in Jesus. So that's Peter. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they only get a single verse there in verse 12 uh, as they bring their evidence. And uh, it's really a summary verse, I guess, as the assembly listened intently to Barnabas and Paul sharing about what they'd seen God do among the Gentiles through their ministry. And then in verses 13 to 18, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, Not to be confused with Jesus' disciple, who was also called James, the brother of John. He'd been executed just a few chapters earlier. Well, James the just clears his throat 
and he wraps everything up. It seems like the other apostles recognized that their own salvation was due to the grace of Christ. Would James impose a different and more burdensome pattern of salvation upon Gentile believers? Well, the answer is, of course, no. James shows us, in fact, that Gentile faith fulfills the Old Testament prophecy. And he quotes from Amos 9, kind of an obscure little reference which looks forward to hundreds of years into the future to a time when the kingdom of Israel would be restored. That's the whole, I will rebuild David's fallen tent bit there in verse 16. But in fact, it's extended spiritually by this Gentile mission, by those who seek the Lord and bear his name from among the rest of mankind, not on the basis of circumcision rituals, but by a hearty and willing trust in Christ alone. So there's the available evidence from Peter. God chose the Gentiles to believe, giving them the Holy Spirit, purifying their hearts by faith, just like us Jewish believers. For Barnabas and Paul, all the wonders that God did among the Gentiles through them. From James the Just, the Old Testament prophecy, which clearly predicted both Jews and Gentiles seeking God and bearing his name, seemingly on an equal footing, without mention of circumcision or following the Old Testament law. I uh, have in my desk at work something that cost a million dollars and has been on every NASA manned space mission since debuting with the Apollo 7 mission in 1968. Do you want to know what it is? I hope you're ready for this. It is the Fisher Space Pen. The Fisher Space Pen. And it's, it's famous because it has this sealed and pressurized ink cartridge, which means that it can write in just about any condition and on almost any surface. It goes anywhere, it writes anywhere. Uh, underwater, over Greece, in extreme temp- temperatures. Not that I've tested this, from minus 35 degrees to 120 degrees. It can write upside down or in gravity-free zones. Fisher Space Pen cost about a million dollars to develop. It has an estimated shelf life of 100 years and it is famous because US astronauts could use it to write in space. Impressive. You know, the Russians used pencils. They uh, didn't spend loads of money in development. They didn't test it over months and months and months. They just brought their pencils. (laughs) A bunch of 2Bs. Well, that's a simple solution, isn't it? As James sums up here, he supplies a simple solution to this presenting issue. How can the Gentiles be saved? Do they need to become Jews? Do they need to follow Moses and be circumcised and all the rest of it? For that matter, really, the question is, how, how is anybody saved? Well, the answer lies in the way verse 19 builds on verse 11. So let's read them together. It is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, they don't need to become Jewish in order to become Christians, for we are all saved by grace alone through the work of Jesus, and we contribute nothing other than repentance and faith, that is, turning and trusting in him. Our cultural background, our religious history, our moral performance, our community service, our record of achievements, our Bible knowledge, our church commitment, our general politeness, our all-round good guyness or good girlness might be valuable in themselves. In fact, I'm sure they are, but they do not contribute to our salvation in Jesus. And if we think they do, we are gravely mistaken. And in fact, if we trust in them, 
the truth is that we are not trusting in Jesus alone, are we? So in our culture and in our hearts, deceptive little things that they are, which desperately feel like we've got to make a contribution, that we can't bring nothing to the table, that we've at least got to pay half, let's be very clear. The gospel message means we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this message brings life today, just as it did back then. But this message is in jeopardy today, just as it was back then. Whenever we feel like we've got to add to, complement, supplement the grace of God in Christ Jesus to undeserving sinners like you and me. Now before we finish up, uh, some of you will be asking about verses 20 and 21, an important consideration. And I'm glad you did, <clears throat> because as James concludes his speech, uh, and he repeats it in the letter that the Council of Jerusalem sends back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, he concludes by telling the Gentiles to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, which is a big part of their background, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And you think, how random is that? I mean, what is going on? Is he saying, trust Jesus alone? We've just got four pretty weird requirements to do with meat. But other than that, uh, look, do what you want. You know, be greedy, steal, lie. It's okay. Just don't eat meat sacrificed to idols or that was strangled or drink their blood. <laughs> okay. So here's what I think is going on there. When you become a Christian, when you're saved by faith, however you want to put it, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by His grace alone, your life changes. You're not only saved and in right standing with God, but you want to live for Him. And he helpfully details many of the ways that we do that with our bodies, our time, our money, our moods, our affections, our emotions, etc. Details many ways in the Bible. This Christian way of living, of course, is not what merits your salvation. It flows from that free act of God in Jesus. And the more you get to know God and love Him, the more you want to live for him and with him but these requirements in acts 15 food sacrificed to idols blood meat of mangled animals aren't so much about living for god as they're about gentile christians living with jewish christians this this new perhaps uneasy alliance it's about how they're going to get along what happens when they sit down to dinner together because those things meat sacrificed to idols blood etc they are prohibited in the jewish old testament law in leviticus Jewish Christians, especially the Pharisees, but possibly the majority of Jewish Christians, are likely to have strong attachments to those things. So the Jerusalem Council is just saying, it is great, we are all saved by the great grace of God in Christ Jesus. But, but some of us Jewish brothers and sisters have got certain beliefs about food connected to our Old Testament law and they're very hard for us to shake. And so Gentile converts, could you just be cool for our sakes? and avoid any unnecessary conflicts, avoid searing our consciences about it so we can all get along at tea. And I think verse 21 is just appeasing any concerns that the introduction of the Gentile believers means that everyone is just going to forget about the law of Moses and just junk the Old Testament. It's as if James is effectively saying, mate, it is all we've ever been talking about and we're going to keep doing it. So don't worry about it. We're not going to junk it. And so that's the decision. And it seems to have settled the matter. It's written up, it's sent off to Antioch, and it's received with great gladness and encouragement. Well, why wouldn't it be? John Stott puts it this way, 
this unanimous decision liberated the gospel from its Jewish swaddling clothes into being God's message for all humankind. Liberated the gospel from its Jewish swaddling clothes into being God's message for all humankind. And so friends, I'm really glad that this passage sits here at the midpoint in our series. It really is the perfect time to be reminded that the message of Jesus is a gospel of grace. Whatever we do for God, even our best efforts to reach out to others with his message is based upon and flows out of what he so freely did for us. Because the Christian faith is always, always, always about what God has done for us in Christ, not what we have done for him. So easy to forget that in our heart of hearts, in our subconscious, when we live in a graceless world. So easy for us to slowly and subconsciously start trusting in our own contributions and performance, rather than in Jesus' contribution and performance on our behalf. Now, if you've never trusted in Jesus alone, in his great grace shown to us in his life, death, and resurrection, or you're not even sure that you have, well, boy, we would love to help you with that. They're our favorite conversations. So please get in touch with us via the online Connect card. But for all of us, isn't this a great reminder that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved. It is a message for us, just as it is a message for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times where we have either consciously or subconsciously trusted in our own contributions, our own performance, effectively thinking we can't not bring something to the table, that we've got to somehow make a contribution. And we recognize that we are saved through grace alone, by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And that is a message we need to know in the deep wellsprings of our heart as well as share with others in Manly and beyond. pray that you would help us do both those things in Jesus' name. Amen.
we now have a chance to share together in the Lord's Supper, which is such a great way of reinforcing that our salvation is by God's grace. It's 100% what Christ has done for us and 0% what we have done for God. Uh, what we're doing as we share together in the Lord's Supper is we're sharing in a, a ceremonial meal uh, which takes us back in a very concrete way to the, the last night Jesus had with his, his disciples before he went to the cross. As we eat a little bit of bread, as we take a, a sip on some wine or drink, uh, we're, we're taking ourselves back to that time. Uh, when Jesus prepared his disciples for the significance of what would unfold as he went to the cross. Uh, in the scriptures, it describes it this way, that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and uh, when he had given thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, then in the same way after the meal, he took the cup and when he had given thanks to God, he gave it to the disciples saying, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So in preparing ourselves to eat just a little bit of bread and take a sip of wine. Let's, um, let's come to God and confess our sins, recognizing that he is the one who made us, he is the one who loves us, he has deserved our whole devotion, but we've fallen far short of his way for us. Let's make a humble confession of our sins to God as we pray together. Merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done and we have done what we ought not to have done. Yet, good Lord, have mercy on us. Restore those who repent according to the promises declared to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant, merciful Father, for his sake, that from now on we may live godly and obedient lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Friends, we know, as we've heard today, that in Christ we are forgiven as we trust in him. It's by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And we can know that we're forgiven. So let's share together now in the bread and the wine. Firstly, if you take just a little bit of bread. And, and as we eat, let's remember the body of Christ that was given for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And now let's take the cup, the cup of the new covenant in the blood of Christ, which brings forgiveness and the work of the Spirit into our lives.
And please join me in this prayer of thanksgiving and of dedication. Lord and Heavenly Father, in your loving kindness, accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Grant that by the merits of and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. With gratitude for all your mercies, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Well, it's been great uh, to be together for this uh, last service in this format. Uh, lovely to hear from uh, people on the chat line. Uh, Jane Holland, lovely to have you with us today. And Steve Island, it's great, great to have had you with us, mate, uh, uh, hooking in from uh, down in the Illawarra. Lovely to, lovely to have you there. And it's been fantastic, hasn't it? In the middle of this series uh, on Beyond, in the middle of um, uh, this section of the Book of Acts, to be reminded that the message of Jesus is a message for people everywhere. As we go back to that time when for Jewish people who'd been conscious of, of being the people of God as against other people, for them to come to terms with the reality that you didn't have to become a Jew to be accepted by God. It was by faith alone, by grace alone, by faith in Christ alone that someone could be completely assured that they are accepted by God. Uh, a wonderful message for us to celebrate and enjoy and, and, and to have complete assurance that in Christ God accepts us. So brothers and sisters, as we come to the end of this service, uh, let me share with you this word of blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.